Hello, everybody, and welcome to Navigating the Noise, a show brought to you by CHPA, the Corporate Housing Providers Association. I'm Brian David Johnson. I'm your host and your futurist. And on Navigating the Noise, what we like to do is just that, give you more information. There's a, as we think about the noise, if we think about uh, the future and business and what's going on, you know, in the show for over the years, we've been trying to help you navigate that noise. And now as we find ourselves in the middle of a pandemic, we thought there was no better time in the spirit of navigating the noise is to go and put out as many of these shows as we could, bringing in people from different um, areas from different uh, walks of life, from different maybe ancillary uh, industries, just as many different perspectives as we could. And that's what we're trying to do. And as many of you have probably seen from uh, earlier shows this season, we've taken on kind of big topics and small topics, like small topics like our cleaning supplies, like our down and dirty show where we looked at cleaning supplies. Well, this is not that. This is a big show. This is where we're going to kind of think about big ideas and go out and think about what does it mean to come back from mobility? You know, what does it mean to be mobile, especially as, a, as an industry, mobility, just the idea of mobility is very, very important, right? How do we come back to mobility, whether that be back to travel, air travel, or ground travel, or rail travel, or is that mobility in a city, or in a region, in our country? Is it mobility across borders? For myself, as we find ourselves really smack dab in the middle of this pandemic, we are experiencing great destabilization. All of our systems have been destabilized. Certainly our supply chain systems and our economies have been destabilized, but we've even seen how our sort of personal and even sort of micro-professional um, different systems have become destabilized. And as we begin to build back, and that's really what we're starting to experiencing now, as we start to come back, certainly not to the way things were, but to a new normal, what is that like? And how do we get back to that? So that's really what we wanted to uh, talk about today and really kind of dive into it. And I've got two great guests. Uh, one is a return guest and one is new, new to the broadcast. So that'll be great. So our first guest is Greg Lindsay. He's, uh, he's returning to the show today. Greg is the Director of Applied Research at New Cities. And he's gonna bring this perspective. Greg has done a lot of work in cities in sort of smart cities and new cities. He's also got a great book called Aerotropolis. Uh, highly, highly recommended. It really looks at the future and the future of business as it's tied around travel mobility and specifically around airports and air travel. I again, highly recommend that. We'll put, a, we'll put a link on the website to go and have a look at that. But I thought Greg would be a, a great perspective of that. And then our second uh, guest today is uh, Maura Carey. She is the Chief Strategy and Marketing Officer at Dwellworks. And to be honest, this whole show came from a conversation between Maura and myself, where we started talking about what, what ideas we're having, what are issues that we're dealing with, um, and this notion of mobility, um, the notion of coming back from mobility. So very, very excited to have uh, both of them on today. We'll bring them on in a moment. But First, we're gonna uh, dive into the first section, which is the road ahead, which is where we take the work that I've been doing as a futurist and we bring in people from outside, folks who are thinking in this area, and this is certainly the work here that, that Greg is doing. But as I say, as I think about the road ahead, I think about where we're going. It is, it is this coming back from destabilization. It's this coming back to not this new normal, but, but what, what could it look like? And also, what do we want it to look like? How, as we begin to build back, 
as we begin to rebuild our economies and our organizations and our relationships, our business relationships, what do we want those to look like? Do we want them to be more sustainable? And I mean sustainable from a business standpoint, sustainable from an ecological standpoint, sustainable from an equity inclusion standpoint. How do we build back these systems so they're not just what they were, but so that they are better? What does that look like as we come back to this notion of mobility? So also, as, as you know, for this season of Navigating the Noise, I'm not only your futurist and your host, I'm also the engineer. Uh, so I will be from now again, kind of bopping in and bringing people um, in and out. So my first guest, as we mentioned, is Greg Lindsay. So I'm gonna put it over to Greg for the road ahead and ask him in his work and in his research, certainly at New Cities, but in his other research, because he does a lot of work in a lot of other places as well, I'm going to actually say, ask, so Greg, as, as you're thinking about mobility, the notion of mobility, what things are you thinking about? What, what would you give people to kind of think about where we are today and what it would mean to come back? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I wrote a book around globalization, cities, and air and, and air travel, and, and all three are doing pretty poorly at the moment, at least according to the conventional wisdom. So, um, I mean, the place I start when I think about mobility, I, I do a lot of work around the future of work, right? Like where we should do it. I spent years studying uh, not just cities, but also the rise of shared workspaces and the rise of employment in urban cores. And now we're hearing that it's all over, right? Like we're all going to disperse to our electronic cottages the way Alvin Toffler wanted it 50 years ago, where we're safe from the big bug. And, and it's frustrating to hear that. I mean, to me, the notion of mobility and getting back out there is not mobility as we flee from cities. It's about how we rethink the urban realm and how and where we should work, how we should get there, what mobility can be. So a couple of things I think about. One, I think about the fact that like, when it comes to opportunities, uh, that we've seen cities across the world actually rethink what streets are for, right? Not just uh, uh, conveyances for cars, but we've seen Milan and Paris and Bogota and cities across the United States are taking back some of those streets and they're opening it up to cyclists and pedestrians and dining at Alfresco and things like this and protests across much of the United States for that matter. Um, and so rethinking what the urban realm can be and the fact that streets are this incredible public space that we can do work in among other things. So I, it's, it's really exciting to see cities, a lot of which kind of want to do this all along are using this, you know, this, uh, they're not letting this crisis go to waste. So there's that. The, the second thing I think about is, yeah, when it comes back to the future of work, you know, I'm disheartened by the current state of CEOs, of like CEO of Barclays, CEO of Morgan Stanley, talking about the fact that uh, working from home is working perfectly. Facebook, you know, we're going to abandon our offices and we're going to, you know, pay you less if you move other places. Or Twitter, you know, saying you can work from home forever. Um, I think when it comes to mobility, I think a really exciting development is the idea that presenteeism is dead, right? That we have to go to the same box to do work, no matter how we feel or whatever we're working on, five days a week for a certain, some, a certain number of hours. I'm glad that appears to have been thrown out the window with the pandemic. What I'm worried is that we're also gonna throw out the notion that there should be any separation between life and work uh, and where you should do it, right? I mean, just because that we've been holding up fairly well, those of us who are privileged enough to be you know, white collar knowledge workers in these environments does not mean we can do it forever that we're not going to risk incredible uh, burnout. And I, and I also am very suspicious about companies that are willing to throw away these engineered places for doing work because they want to get leases off the books, as I suspect many of the ones who have embraced this trend. So, you know, there the opportunity to be mobile again is to rethink our relationship of what workplaces can be. 
Uh, and that's where I'm excited to think about, you know, the notion of, you know, what if we have a whole palette of workplaces? What if instead of going to an office five days a week, we can go to a number of workplaces? We could rethink this whole rise of, you know, of co-working and shared workspaces that has happened over the last decade, um, you know, that sort of metastasize into WeWork and sort of bro culture to really sort of build out these kinds of more local workplaces where we can go to, where we can be alone and think or be among peers and not have to be locked down to be immobile uh, in our homes 24 seven. So, you know, there's some really interesting ripe changes out there. And, and, you know, all these relationships are up for grabs. I guess to your point at the, at the beginning of this is, is that I really hope and I really encourage employers to think about empowering their employees to make the right decisions for them, to give them agency and empowerment. Not to say, for example, I've seen one employer say, you know, we're going to move out to the suburbs, like, because, you know, we think our workforce is headed there, et cetera. Well, that becomes a de facto tax on your employees and future employees because they need to have a car in that particular case. Um, I think about, you know, uh, for example, the government of Italy is giving out 500 euro tax credits to anybody who wants to buy an electric bike or scooter. Um, you know, I don't think employers need to do that, but, but thinking more holistically about your mobility options about, you know, yeah, not just, you know, pay for parking, but think about how you can encourage your employees if they don't want to take the subway in a dense city, you know, can you give them credits on these micro mobility services or give them a credit to buy a bike or, you know, help cover the cost of their home office if you are actually serious about working from home forever. I, I also suspect that we'll be forced to internalize those costs into our homes. So, yeah, I guess it's sort of some, you know, summarily concluding at the top of my remarks here. I, I just think there's all these relationships are up for grabs. I just think the notion is how do we expand the choice? How do we expand our options for mobility and not fall into this new binary where, you know, we're going to work from home or we're going to drive to an office, et cetera, as opposed to, you know, taking the train to our office in the cores of cities. That's a great perspective, uh, Greg, because I was having an, and, and I've got a question for you, but, but before we go over to um, Moira. So, I was having a conversation with a, uh, an architect who designs uh, office buildings, high-rise office buildings, and we were thinking through the day and, and sort of, and I said, as we come back, you know, as we become mobile again, as we could go back to the office or as many people inside of uh, CHPA, right, as we start moving people around again, how we move people around, what they're moving around for, I think, as you say, rethinking all of that and also in a, in a positive way. It's not just sort of going back or not going back or an understanding that when you make these decisions, you're making them um, not just about the workspace, but also your culture, and it has effect on your employees. You, and Greg has done some really great writing just on that, the financial effect and the, and, the, and the psychological effect. But I was talking to this architect, and I was thinking, Greg, about some of the work that you had done, and he was talking about how you build an office building for that, for that space in that day, and he said, how do you get into the elevator, and then how do you walk in the door, and how do you do this? And then at one point he said, and how do you eat lunch at your desk? And I said, whoa, stop why would you eat lunch at your desk in a kind of post-COVID world if you don't have to? If we're radically rethinking the day, you're totally thinking pre-pandemic. No, I'm not saying you wouldn't eat at your desk, but I think we fall into these patterns and habits because we've been doing them for you know years and for some people decades. And so the question I want to ask you, Greg, is so as we think about coming back, what could be some of those tasks? How might we come back in sort of an, a valuable and meaningful way where we would want to gather together in an office building or for many like the CHPA members, get on a plane or get on a train or get in a car, go to a different city to, to get together with people. Have you been thinking about sort of what are some of those meaningful interactions and what that might look like? 
Totally. And it's such a it's such a fascinating question to ask, right? About who actually matters in organizations and who needs to be together, right? You know, it's interesting. We went from a decade of we all need to be face to face all the time to get work done to the now we never need to see each other again except via Zoom. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, again, this is an opportunity to rethink workflows throughout organizations to truly build these sort of hybrid orgs because because you know we spent the last decade building a lot of digital workflow tools zoom and slack being the most common pairing right now that allows work allows task-based work to move through the cloud and that sort of frees us to be in different locations you know factory you know work offices started as factories for paperwork and that paradigm is dead and we can do various things which frees us then to think about who we should be working with and how and where. And so, you know, when it comes to, you know, what offices are, I mean, I, I think, you know, you can think about it in a couple of ways. If you're going to work alongside people who are your colleagues, you're, you know, you're getting a paycheck with together, um, that is going to be a task for, for employers to basically figure out who adds value in, in the network, in the office, and figuring out who needs to be together in space and time to do that. Because, and just a quick aside on this, you know, I think at the moment, I think the tools that we built are very good for continuing processes, right? You know, the organization does this and we're going to keep doing it. And the tools we have are good for that. What they're not good for is how do we come up with something new, right? The whole eternal quest for innovation or new ideas. And that is something that requires more of the bandwidth of face-to-face -face and more of the unstructured time for that to ferment at the edges. It's very hard to structure that in a Zoom call. It always has been. I think it always will be. So we will need to figure out how we create that mobility to bring those people together in those circumstances to do it. I'm not sure that needs to be in a conference room in a skyscraper. That could be in a, in a meeting outdoors in a park. I mean, I'm my own employer. We started discussing about how we're going to have our next phase of reopening, going from our home offices to meeting in backyards and meeting in parks where we can be socially distanced and outdoors where the epidemiology seems to support that. So those are the kinds of things I need to think we need to think about. And the second part of that is, you know, in a longer run is, uh, I think there'll be a development of tools and we'll see about, you know, measuring who's chatting amongst who in an office or in a network, figuring out who contributes to the most teams. And there'll be this sort of new science, you know, it's been discussed, you know, social metrics and other things about bringing together the right people at the right place at the right time to contribute that kind of work inside organizations. Um, hopefully, again, this will be done for the benefit of employees and to empower them, not used to micromanage them, where I'm afraid where a lot of these technologies are going. I'm glad you mentioned, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, Greg, because part of this goes into things that we, we had talked about here inside of CHPA and in, at the industry um, around kind of the fact that people like people. Um, and for the longest time, people had talked about, oh, well, if we have VR or we have AR or we have all of these, you know, the ability to, to work remotely, will, will it be the death of the meeting? Will it be the death of relocation? Will it be the death of, of corporate housing? And there's a great, um, there's a great illustration that, that Greg has in his book around looking at the increase in the ability for technology to allow people to talk over long distances and then the increase of travel, of people actually traveling. And over time, roughly, it kind of all goes the same, that the more technology we have, the more we want to be together, uh, which is a, a fascinating thing that says a lot about, I think, about, about humanity. And I think this is a, a point for, for CHPA and for the membership and for this industry as we're thinking about it, is, as Greg said, you don't have to meet in a high-rise anymore. Maybe you meet in a dwelling. Maybe you meet in a CHPA, you know, we start looking, you mean corporate housing, the very definition of corporate housing also changes because it becomes this place where, where you work is also where you live, but it also might be where everybody gets together for one week, one month, six months to then kind of work together. And this idea, and, and again, in our previous work together, um, 
um, here at CHPA, we've been talking about, um, and part of this actually came from work that, that Greg had done about falling transactional costs and how that changes culture and how that changes the culture of um, different companies. And it means that where you work and how you work could be different and what you value. So there's, there's lots and lots and lots there and we'll make sure to put um, uh, the links in the, in the show so that you can kind of look up that work and some of that previous work. But now I wanna to switch to the, so section two, which is what matters. I, I wanna bring Maura in on this, on this conversation. So uh, Maura, the part of this is because of you, right? We were talking about mobility, what it means to come back and the, the work that you're doing at Dwellwork. So when you're thinking about coming back to mobility and getting back to mobility, uh, what are some of the things that you're thinking through? What, 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 what's on your mind? Thanks. Um, yeah, so first of all, what's on my mind is all the incredible ideas Greg just shared. I was jotting them down as quickly as I could to sort of, you know, keep that context going as we're talking here. So I'm sort of um, forming as we go here. But uh, the first thing is just that comment. I literally think the last time I was at a conference was when I uh, met up with Brian. So that was just post-CHIPA. There was that conference and then there was a Bay Area Mobility Management meeting. And it was kind of the, the end of meetings, right? So that was in uh, early February. And sort of since then, you know, this industry, which is built around people being mobile, has essentially been grounded, which is obviously an irony in and of itself. Um, so what's going on, sort of what's on our mind, just literally sort of picking up from where you just left off in the corporate housing space. Um, you know, I think one of the things that we're seeing that we intend to see more of um, as the world evolves back to work is <laughs> sort of what I'm calling safe houses and not what you were thinking of before, not, not sort of in a in a security kind of way, but this whole idea that as people move back out in from their homes and, and start traveling again for whatever reason, permanent relocation or short term, you know, where are they going to feel the safest? You know, so um, we talked a lot about in our industry, specifically in the corporate housing space, you know, where are the green shoots, where are people going to see an opportunity? And it may well be right there, you know, if you are traveling for work. Are you going to feel more secure in an environment that feels an awful lot like your house? Uh, you talked about the deep cleaning experience, right? That was a, a previous show. That whole idea of like, well, if I'm leaving this nest, I want to go to one that's kind of sort of comfortable and a lot like mine. And indeed, to your point, can those also be meeting spaces? So as we think about, again, how people travel again for work, maybe not changing their entire way of working, but you know, looking for comfort and undeniably looking for a sort of a, a, a truly safe environment. Uh, the other thing that I think we are, are talking about as people return to work, whether they return to work in an office or in the park, um, as you just indicated, either way, the employer has sort of this renewed uh, expanded mindset around what this duty of care obligation is. And I, and I know it's a sort of easily tossed off phrase, uh, you know, in, in my business, in the business of moving people all around the world that has typically been associated with sort of, you know, evacuation and people who are in a, in a crisis state. And it's now going to become obviously the new normal. There is all types of compliance, you know, that goes on in the space that we operate in. Compliance has historically been associated with sort of data security and sort of physical safety. And now it's like, you know, are, are you stepping up and being responsible for making sure the environment I'm coming back to is going to in fact be safe. So when I leave it and go back into my family environment, right, I'm going to feel safe and secure. So there is both the duty of care explanation from an office environment, but also again, just in a housing environment, which is really what sort of pushed, uh, you know, again, your, your, um, your sub-segment on that. And it's, and it's not nothing. That's a really, really, really important uh, consideration for people. And then I'm thinking again, and I think this is actually what triggered our conversation, um, uh, BPJ, which was around the idea that until the pandemic hit, 
And unfortunately, here in the US, we got to an almost 20% uh, unemployment rate, mercifully seeing a little bit of stabilization there. We were at zero unemployment. So these same knowledge workers, this sort of creative class, you know, these, these kind of folks that um, Greg was talking about, they're still out there. This, this trend towards working differently was well underway. You know, we didn't need a global pandemic to find out that people could work virtually. It obviously sort of accelerated that process. But in point of fact, and I talk about this a lot, we talk about a lot at Dwellworks, you know, there is mobile and there's moving. So maybe you're not necessarily permanently moving. I don't need to, you know, in order to do my job, I don't need to physically move from point A to point B to be able to, to accomplish that work. Uh, but I need to be highly mobile, right? I need obviously to be out to see our customers, I need to be out to see our team, you wanna be out to go to conferences. And indeed, in all kinds of work environments, you know, um, a sort of state of permanent mobility as folks go from one assignment to another without necessarily decamping with their family, but you know, going off to do project work, obviously going off to do installs, whatever you want to call it, consulting work, training, all these sort of things that people have been inhibited from doing, you know, during the, during the rage of the pandemic, that would come back. That's that's necessary work that needs to get done. So we believe strongly that people will be highly mobile. It just may be in a very different way than before, sort of driven again by both sort of the uh, employee being able to dictate what that experience is. They will, they will continue to be a highly sought after you know, talent, excuse me, going forward. And also obviously just the new reality. If I don't have to move, if I don't need to stay in a hotel, uh, if I could stay somewhere for a, a short period of time, come back home, go back and forth less, you know, frequent moving, but when I do move, you know, to stay perhaps in a more um, comfortable setting than before. So for me, when I look at, you know, sort of what lies ahead, obviously we see, uh, you know, certainly a return to people being mobile, people being mobile in ways where they get to establish a little bit more literally what the rules of the road would be. Um, and then, you know, perhaps specifically really understanding that, you know, people want to be, um, uh, Reengaged again. I was thinking about what what um, Greg was saying. You know, nobody's like dying to get back to their cubicle, but everybody's dying to reconnect, right? And so there's different ways you want to get that done. So I think we see all of that coming. Maybe my last comment on that would be looking at you two as futurists, which I'm definitely not. But I mean, our future is literally being defined day by day, right? And I'm thinking, you know, we're all in a, in a space of doing tons of research, read, 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 you know, conference, 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 learn, learn, learn. You know, and last week, you know, as I was just sort of reading up on what's being said in the travel and mobility industry, and it's always going to be 18 to 24 months for sure before we get back to any sort of normalcy. And then, of course, read an article last night, and it's obviously just a data point, not a trend. Uh, but, you know, Marriott in China, yeah, no, we're at 40% occupancy. We intend to be at 100% before the end of the year. I mean, you know, it's just the way the world works. As people get more information, as they feel the environment is safer, I would say well, we are pretty, um, you know, and I think not falsely optimistic that the return is real. Thank you for that, uh, Moran. So I have a, I have a follow-up on that, and I don't want to put you too much on the spot right now. We actually didn't talk about this as, as we were going, but, you know, I, I think sort of Greg's perspective kind of got me thinking as, as you were talking, and I know you are constantly reading, constantly doing research, you know, certainly as the chief strategy marketing officer, this is sort of what you do around data. I'm wondering from an industry standpoint, or even sort of maybe ancillary things outside of the industry, is there anything that you're seeing that 
is kind of you think is missing the point. So as people are, are thinking about the future and thinking about how we might come back or things like that, I mean, Greg had some great examples before. An example I've used, you know, previously on a, on a, on a different show was I used the 9-11 the example of saying, you know, after 9-11, when we were right in the midst of it, I had serious conversations as a futurist with people around the future of work who were saying, will we ever work in high rises again? Like people were really worried that people would never build a high rise again. And of course we've learned that sort of that's not true. Is there anything that you've seen as you've been doing your reading and you've been thinking where people aren't thinking in a right way or they're not thinking big enough or they're not thinking bold enough or maybe they're just yeah. might be completely wrong headed? Have you, have you seen anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the very first thing that comes to my mind, and I appreciate you're giving me this softball that I don't have any time to actually, uh, you know, do research on this, I'm sort of thinking off the top of my head, um, but is this whole concept of what is virtual work, what does that mean, you know, that did it not exist before, does it exist now, and does one replace the other? Um, and, and I, you know, very honestly, you know, and, and again, in our space, we not only do, you know, short-term housing, but obviously help people find permanent long-term housing. And of course, there's been this trend towards literally virtual reality, showing people what the experience is going to be like, where they're moving to. And one of the things that we uh, have learned is that, and that where I think maybe people do need to be more expansive in their thinking is that, you know, it's obviously not either or, you know, this dialogue that we're all having right here, right now, this is virtual, right? We're obviously not together face-to-face, -face, but it doesn't necessarily need to be electronic. I mean, there's just a, a, a wide continuum of what both a virtual experience is, A, and what the value of being together in person is. So this sounds a little bit contradictory, uh, but the idea that when one is sort of free to move around the cabin, so to speak, going forward, you don't necessarily need to assume that tools you were using to get you through this process are now no longer necessary. In fact, they're probably pretty valuable. It is, yes, it is necessary to have this sort of like blended world where if the virtual tool makes sense, don't go back to doing something, you know, face-to-face -face and in-person just because it was your comfort level. Embrace the fact like, well, that was interesting. And now obviously I can use that time to do something else. So our, our industry in, in general is obviously very, very people focused, very connection focused. But I think having confidence, and I hope that this has been a real takeaway coming out of this, that there are literally all kinds of ways to connect, I think is one of the things that people really need to champion, that it doesn't need to be like, that's over, let's do this. I, I think going to, to sort of Greg's point, you don't need to revert back to anything, just sort of springboard forward um, with what you're doing, because we think that, you know, there's a lot of strength in learning how to work well together across distances without necessarily thinking the only way to get that done successfully is to be necessarily side by side. So there is that. And then I think also this idea, and I'm really in this sense, just sort of echoing what Greg has already said, which is, you know, um, be comfortable with and embrace you know, the fact that you are, again, in our industry in particular, right? You're moving talent that is high value to your business for, for whatever reason, and there's a score of reasons associated with that. If they are high value for business, they're probably also just high value as creative assets to the, to the business itself. You know, you know, be comfortable being guided by people saying, I do need to adjust the way I work, but it isn't necessarily a, um, a defect to the business, if you will. The fact that there is going to be more variance doesn't necessarily mean there will be more defect. And I think historically, that would absolutely be the way people think. But I think having a high tolerance for the variance because people have learned how to be, um, you know, more creative, I think is important and wanting to recognize the value of that. And then again, maybe a last point there, uh, which has been one of the things that's absolutely happened, break, you know, breaking news here, people have been on Amazon more, 
uh, than ever before. But not only have people been shopping more, it's uh, reified this whole idea of consumer behavior. So I think people just need to be very conscious of the fact that just because I'm working doesn't mean I'm not also consuming. And this has been a really important lesson for us, you know, over the past couple of years, and which I would say is now accelerated, is that that sort of permeable wall between this is when I work and this is when I consume is, is really essentially gone forever. You know, that the way I think is, is this information useful to me? Is this tool useful to me? Is this conversation useful to me? And process information as a consumer. And I think just being very conscious of that as the way we sort of treat and respect and deal with with people going forward is 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 maybe a big thing that we all need to be comfortable with because the workplace has in fact been consumerized and um, you know just sort of recognize that and run with it going forward that is a great transition more to our um to our, our third section which is three things to do and i'm gonna switch over from the single camera to the to, to the multi-camera here in just a minute okay we've all grown very used to on these types of meetings but again to remind everybody three things to do this is where we pick three things to do three very specific pragmatic things again for navigating the noise to say what can you start doing today to start preparing for tomorrow and we uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over to Greg here in a minute but I'm gonna I'm gonna start us off um, because I do think this was mentioned multiple times um, that it's it's the first thing I'll give you to do is to take a moment and You've heard me say this many times that oftentimes leaders, especially in times of crisis or in times of being challenged, don't take the time to reflect. Don't take the time, give themselves the time to reflect. And I think drafting and, and pulling from what both Greg and Maura were saying is think about the future of your work, the future of your business, the future of how you would want to come back. What is really meaningful where you would need to be face to face? what would you not need to be face to face? And then also how would you redefine it? How would you redefine how and where and, and what type of business you would do? So that's number one is to reflect and kind of and think about those things. So let me, let me bring up the uh, view of everybody and I'm gonna pass it over to Greg and say, Greg, what, what would be our second thing to do? Oh, you're still muted, Greg. I'm in my own mute. There are our bingo cards here for Zoom calls. Um, I came up with three things of my own to do, but uh, but the one that I want to, I guess I would lead with to, to springboard off what Mauro was saying is, the first thing I would do when it comes to mobility is don't make any assumptions about who wants to be mobile. Go talk particularly to your younger workers, the ones you would assume are digital natives who are the ones who do want to work from home or work remotely. And I bet you will find and this is what I'm hearing when I've seen in surveys, is they're the ones who want to go back to work the most. And the reason for that is, and by work I mean the office, and the reason for that is, is for all of us on this call, we all have reserves of weak ties and social capital from our own work. We have connections, we have relationships to each other here that we can maintain via Zoom and that we can continue to have those. And for those younger workers who are starting out in their careers who don't have culture, who don't have those connections, they are so hungry for it and they need it for their own development of that. And, you know, and so therefore I would make sure that you understand their needs in this um, because I think that's gonna be a major source of frustration and or you know, turnover for them if they don't feel like they're getting a chance to go out into the world, if they feel like they're basically going to be work from home drones for the rest of their careers or at least employment at your company. So that's where I would start. 
Okay, that's a great place to start. So that's so number two. It's a, it's a really great perspective. I will come back to you for a lightning round for one bonus one. But I want to then, <laughs> want to then pass that's it good, to yeah. What, what would you yeah, be if, number three? The, 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 the I was going to say, if, if you had the pleasure of dealing with me daily, you would know that I don't have three, I've got nine, you know, so uh, I will not go through that whole list, I promise. And, and indeed, you know, at some point, they'll be repet repetitive. Um, so again, um, I'm going to sort of flip over to the sort of the, the uh, less esoteric. And I would just say, you know, to, to really sort of go back, you know, your psychology 101, you know, pick up your Maslow and um, just remember that, you know, people are just looking for safety and security, right? I mean, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's not that people are fearful. It's that it's fair of them as they venture out, you know, from, from uh, solitude and, uh, you know, sort of the, the home office to just be mindful of the fact that that is sort of the first thing. We all have got goodness to bring in terms of our intelligence and our connection and our creativity, but also, you know, there's this sort of threshold that we all need to be mindful of and that sort of duty of care, safety and security, you know, just, just, be, just be prepared to deliver that. And then, you know, everything else will flow forth from it. Wonderful. All right. So those are your three things to do. Now we're going to do a bonus lightning round <laughs> with the guests. So Greg, I'm going, to, I'm going to pass it over to you. So, so real quick. So, so again, just a reminder, the three things to do where number one is to, to reflect about how you want to come back to work. Greg made a great point about who's going to come back and, and really not forgetting the people who just because we might, we might not want to come back or we might come back differently. Again, understanding who and how those people might want to come back and to, to, Moore's point to really understand that notion of safety and security. So those are your three things to do, but you're going to get two bonuses here. So we're going to do lightning <laughs> rounds. So Greg, what is, uh, what is one of the lightning rounds? All right. Well, I just compressed two into one while I was sitting here thinking about it. So here you go. So I guess it would be, don't be prescriptive in your mobility recommendations going forward. Don't say you can either work from home or go into the office and don't say you can drive for safety. Uh, you know, if you're thinking about rationalizing your real estate portfolio post-COVID, Think about, you know, how can I give out memberships to other workspaces? How, how can I basically expand the palette of choices for them? And the same thing goes for mobility as well. You know, don't just, you know, give them free parking, as I mentioned earlier. Think about, like, what memberships you can give for them. Think about how you can expand that set of options. So, yeah, I don't, don't tell them what to do. Just give them as many options as you possibly can and learn from that and iterate. Wonderful. Yeah, enable them. All right, Maura, bring us home. What? what All right. Yeah. No, my last one. I have to say is drafting a little bit on one of the uh, on Greg's first one uh, from the, the the big three, which is when you go out and and be when you go out and sort of ask people like, what do you want? Do you want to be mobile? Are you interested in this? My response to that would be be ready because the answer you're going to get is yes. I mean, we already see this in terms of just sort of you know backlog and sort of you know. Uh, opportunity in the pipeline that we see in our own business. So in fact, people will want to move again, maybe not permanently, maybe not like, you know, I'm selling my house, I'm buying a new house, but do they want to be mobile? Yeah, they do. So be ready for that and be ready for the fact that they're going to want to be mobile in ways they haven't been before. So, you know, sort of open up your mind, you know, the policy, practice, partnership, how's all that going to get done? But in short, be ready because the volume is coming. Be ready. I love it. Well, listen, so those are your three things to do, plus two lightning bonus rounds. <laughs> Amazing. So Greg Lindsay and Maura Carey, thank you so much for coming on Navigating the Noise. I'm going to kind of take us back to the speaker view and kind of wrap us up. But thank you both for coming. Great. Thank you, Thanks a bunch. All right, everybody. So that brings us to the end of this 
uh, episode of Navigating the Noise around coming back from mobility. I do want to take a moment and, and thank the folks who have reached out to me during this time as we're doing these very rapid versions of the show and bringing in lots of different people and really taking feedback. As, a, as we mentioned before, that Down and Dirty episode came from a very specific request. And we've got some more shows coming that were actually specific requests from membership and from people who had questions who just wanted to talk about things, who had some really interesting ideas, who shared interesting things that they've been working on. So by all means, you know, you can always reach me, you can always reach the show. Um, I've got all of our contact information, but I, it's really important to us. It's uh, as a part of CHPA, really trying to, especially in this really trying time, figure out whatever we can do, whoever we can bring in to bring you value and to bring you some ideas and some perspectives and maybe to introduce you to some people who you may not have been able to chat with before and really all to just enable you to enable you to get through this week but also to prepare for the future um, and we're really here to do that so with that I'm going to wrap us up I'll kind of go through our normal um, out so thank you for listening to navigating the noise a show brought to you by CHPA the corporate housing providers association as I mentioned you can get in touch with us in all these different ways so please reach out to us and let us know what else you'd like to hear about you can email us at info at chpaonline.org. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. We're at chpaonline. Or, you, of course, you can visit the web, website, which is uh, chpaonline.org. Please, any feedback you have, any questions you have, please send them our way. Uh, we will be talking to you again soon. Please stay safe, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Mm -hmm.